There's uh, gross disparities in how the war on drugs was applied across our country. Now we're fighting against years of brainwashing. A 16-year-old lad apprehended in the act of staging a holdup. 16 years old and a marijuana addict. Meanwhile, war fighters in my community are killing themselves at a rate of 22 a day. All this stuff, it's, it's, it made me feel like a complete piece of shit. I didn't want to live, you know what I mean? So we need academia to embrace it. We need our politicians to embrace it. We need our physician community to embrace it so that the patients win at the end of the day. The Up Life is a production of the Unprescribed Nonprofit. This show is made possible by contributions from supporters just like you. Subscribe to our channel and follow us on social. We are The Unprescribed. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome back to The Up Life. I'm Steve Elmore. I'm here with my co-host, Ava Otri. Oh, you got it right. <laughs> and today we have a special guest. His name is James Trice. We call him JT. And JT is from 808 Camo. And we're going to talk about what Camo means and what they do. Uh, it's a veteran organization that gives referral services for alternative health care. And with That's that, great. I introduce you to JT. Aloha. <clears throat> How's Aloha. everybody doing out there? It's a pleasure having you. I'm going to hand it over to my co-host, Ava. How's everyone doing? Well, it's a pleasure having you here today. Welcome. Uh, thanks for having me, sis. <laughs> so for those who don't know who you are, could you let them know who are JT and you and what do you guys do? I am Corporal James Trice, retired from the military. I was a combat medic. I now do community outreach via CAMO, and we do patient services, patient referral services, rather, and I also do patient assessments. I'm currently a certified medical assistant. I'm certified phlebotomy tech, certified EKG tech, and I'm currently in school now going for my certification for disaster preparedness and emergency management to hopefully propel us into doing more work with National Guard female level things for the community out here. So, yes, that's awesome. That's, that's really amazing. <clears throat> now we were talking before, uh, before we the introduction, uh, uh, JT, you were about to give us a, uh, uh, an example of something that was related to your experience in Iraq. The PTSD in Iraq. So this actually, this story, like I was saying, I actually just posted on my Facebook. Um, I'm going to try to keep it short because I know where the, the time. It basically starts, here's, here's what I wrote. Deployment as a whole was rough, but the losses might have been the roughest part by far. The situation where an ex-soldier killed a friend of ours on post. There's a situation where another ex-soldier overdosed in his room. Uh, Sergeant Rosales was ran off the road on her way home. This was right before we fly out. Then immediately after my first day in Iraq, a 101st Airborne convoy from Afghanistan pulls up and informs me that a female friend of mine from AIT had died in an IED explosion. Uh, right before she was headed home. How ironic that at the end of our own deployment, as we are getting extended OIF4, OIF5, we lose Josh and our brothers in a Black Hawk down. Rest in peace, love, and forever in our memories to all of our battle buddies that didn't fly back with us. If you have any photos of me or us on deployment in Iraq, uh, post them. So, that was the post. And then I kind of was still in my feelings. I noticed now, I can say that now because I, you don't, when you're going through it, 
and I was able to find the articles for uh, Sergeant Wakana Jackson, Specialist Zaida Rosales, Josh Harmon, sorry, a Corporal Josh Harmon, and some of the other soldiers that we had lost from Second um, and Third Brigade prior um, to our deployment. And um, the reason that even came into play is someone that posted this, uh, our battle buddy, mutual friend of ours, who went to Iraq. Um, she was on NCOs and I was there. She posted that in 2015 on the anniversary of the, the event. Um, and it just popped up in my Facebook anniversaries. Now, mm. I don't ever talk about the Black Hawk Down event. And I don't talk about losing um, walking to Jackson to the IED at the beginning of deployment. Like, um, I got to... I uh, got to, man, when do we get to Kuwait? We got to Kuwait whenever, I'll say the end of July or August, the beginning of August. But we touched down boots on ground in Iraq August 19th. And it might have been the next day, man, that convoy pulled up, 101st pulled up, because we're 25th ID and we're replacing them. And the guy, the NCO hops out and he's talking, talking, I hear her name. And it, the reason it threw me off so bad is because this is back we had us dot whatever dot dot mil emails right i forget the name of the we had the dot mil email so we were still using those to communicate with each other and stuff through the sipper and that kind of thing okay so i had just written her and a couple of our other battle buddies um to let them know that i made it to iraq and i'm just tripping because we're in iraq blah 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 but i promise i just sent that email if not that day man and he pulled up or that convoy pulled up and i heard that and I was done for like, yo, I was so nauseous. My NCO, because me and the guy almost got into like a fist fight. My NCO pulled me outside and she cleared my head. Usually <laughs> she talked to me like she's supposed to. Thank you, Sergeant Garza, if you see this. Um, she helped keep me calm. And started, uh, First Class Campbell, they, 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 they kept my head. So fast forward from that event that happened day zero of deployment to Iraq happens. I'm combat medic. I wind up earning my CMB, uh, vehicle rollover accident or two. Because one from vehicle, you know, vehicle training, you get hurt sometimes from training alone. And then mm-hmm. other things like that, you know. So um, all these things happen. I go, I have a really bad day, which I'll explain later. Um, we were talking about the suicide thing. And um, life changed from then, man. The clarity that, like I said, when you're going through things in the heat of the moment, and you feel like you don't have anything to turn to. So all you have is yourself or your faith, if you believe in God, you know, to, and that's all you have. There's something so powerful in that moment that it would think, at least for myself, like I, I can't speak of anybody else, that at least for myself, that woke me up, man. And the fact, when you think back of your family, your loved ones and having that and who's going to be there to protect them or, you know, how are you going to, who's going to provide for, I don't know what that is, right? But I'm sure you feel it, there's this fire, right? (laughs) It's in there, right? And that pulls you out of some of the darkest places, uh, whether it's a really bad vehicle accident and you're passed out, the depression gets really deep. But I know for myself, I've had bad days, but the love I have for my loved ones and the desire to be here has pulled me out of a lot of places. So having that, having my faith in God, God's been there for me the whole time. 
and then having people like a Theo who I met on my journey for legalization and advocacy for medical cannabis patients. And we actually met because my doctor, when I got my first medical cannabis card in Hawaii, directed me to a veterans, a group of veterans because the dispensaries weren't open yet to figure out where we were going to get our medics medicine. And we met at a meeting where the group itself was having a meeting and the security, the, we'll just say security and the standards, it just wasn't there. Considering that we're talking about cannabis, we're talking about safety, we're talking about HIPAA violations, if we're talking about these kind of things, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that means we need a certain level of privacy and security at events when veterans are gathering, talking about their medicine and patient and things like that, patient data, right? And I didn't see any of these things. He agreed that it didn't look like it was going to come anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So we sat down together and we put on paper, how do we plan on doing this? Where do you go when you're Black and you're under attack? Where do you go when you're uninformed or you're, you're un, you don't have the money financially, but you still need resources? Where do you go when you're a veteran and you have this rack of ribbons that in accolades and all these things that say that you do everything right? <laughs> They're not even right necessarily, but that you have all these skills, but then you become a civilian and they say none of these skills translate to the civilian world. Then where do you go? I know for myself, when I got out the military as a combat medic, they still viewed me as an EMT basic. And if you know anything about National Registry for NREMT in Hawaii, they don't even accept that as a standard. Mm. So I had to start all over again as an EMT after serving side by side with PAs and docs for six and a half years. After working in the ER at Womack Army Medical Center and trauma room with people like Queenie and amazing other people, Sir Francis Campbell, again, one of the only NCOs who followed me from both Hawaii to the mainland to my next duty station. He was my NCO at Scofield and he was my NCO at Womack. That was unreal, but I'm grateful because again, having somebody who's been there with you who, under, who has some form of understanding of you to talk to you when you're going through things, I promise it's the most important, which is also why camo is, <laughs> we need that for veterans, someone you can relate to and that's gone through walked in your shoes, not someone who yeah. hasn't been there, but is just assuming and trying to tell you how you should feel. Yeah. Um, so not to get off track, but uh, with all of that going on, and the doctor pointed me in the direction. We sat down, we put on paper. This is what we feel like we should be doing and working on for patients and veterans. And even though we're, because again, I'm a uh, disabled veteran out the military, honorable discharge to get my benefits. But it took me two and a half years to even get my VA benefits. And then it took me another year or so to get my full benefits. <laughs> but then what do you do when you're the veteran who? Unfortunately, as many veterans get out with uh, other uh, other than honorable discharge, and then you have to walk through the process of getting it um, upgraded, right? That takes years. So patients are out there with years of an unavailability, no medicine and things like that. And we have to be out there. So all of that is what inspired us to put Camo on paper and make it the organization. It's not that the VA doesn't exist. It's not that there aren't other organizations out there, but simply where we were, and especially in the Chinatown area, there weren't any organizations providing those resources to veterans, minorities, things like that. How, uh, how ironic and, uh, and unfortunate 
we had a patient we were working with that we were helping out of a homeless situation. John, the situation goes, if you're a disabled veteran and you're collecting 100% disability, you are not allowed to work. He says that you're disabled. So if you make, or if you if you do wind up getting hired or get a job and you start to generate over a certain amount of money, and I think the number was $20,000 at the time, so 20K, right? You forfeit your benefits because they see that as you exactly they see that <laughs> as you are able to provide for yourself now granted that might that may prove to someone that you are able to hold or maintain a job or career but for everyone from a student to the oldest eldest person you know twenty thousand dollars a year barely covers just your rent for exactly. a year exactly so if you're <laughs> exactly. an elderly and I know for myself I'm on fixed income because I'm on such a high level of disability that once you lose that benefit then you, and you are disabled, how do you work to make up those other ends to make those well, ends meet? You let, cannot, let, right? Right. Let's clarify. Let's, now, are you referring to state disability? Or are you talking about VA disability? disability? VA disability from the, from the military. I uh, When I first right. got out, I was getting my military separation. And military separation, by definition, was, for me, is the time I was listed in service, right? And then um, at my rank. So whatever my rank was, right? Is mm-hmm. that rate at however long you're in service? And then it's like ha- they cut it in half or something like that. But since I um, didn't do 20 years or 22 years or retire out at, at you know, yeah, my I don't get however much you know those guys get. I do not get that at all. <laughs> and then on um, top, <laughs> right, which is the majority of the veterans that are <laughs> out there. In fact, the, the, that in the film, it's that right there, the, right, wait, a lot it, of we, veterans don't get that. We need to take a short break, but when we return, we'll talk about the side effects of pills, and JT and I will share our own experience with suicide and how we help others get off of pharmaceuticals. Stick around. You won't want to miss this. Josh Frey in the film, he's he's the same case. He he was a corporal, right? Lance corporal, corporal. right? You know, and so and then he gets out as I don't even E three or whatever because of all the marijuana different things, and now so he's a hundred percent disability, and and his wife is his caretaker, and and they we have to you know if it wasn't for the wife, but there's a lot of and and the the (laughs) discussion with the disability (laughs) applies because I have another veteran who follows me um, online. I met him through through one of the grows out here and and he can't work because of something similar to what you're saying but then i asked someone else and they said oh well that's 
that's social security. So that's another level too. That is the third one. I don't, I oh, actually boy. don't qualify for social security because I make so much in my VA separation pay. Isn't that amazing? You're so rich. Amazing. amazing. I'm so wealthy. You make somehow, so much, right? but you don't. <laughs> Ever, right? And you, I, you know, I don't. <laughs> one, one topic uh, I want to talk to, and, and either you or Theo can, because you guys, um, you're as old as I am, and you talked about being in, in the Iraq war, uh, mm-hmm. is... Oh, I have four or five. On, on, I, I recently switched to a new, uh, a new antidepressant, anti-anxiety. I'm, I'm plants Sir. over pills, but... <laughs> I, mm. I, I, we all have a chemical imbalance and education is important. Yes, sir. We can. But on that prescription, on the, on, on the warning label, or not the warning label, but you get a whole printout of all the side effects that come with, with every pharmaceutical you get. And this one right. in particular, being an antidepressant clearly stated in there, um, it is a known, uh, it, it is known that, that antidepressants cause suicidal ideas yes. in yeah. people under Same. the age of 24. Well, let's do uh, some math. How, what is the enlistment age? 17 or 18 years? That old? exact target. <laughs> okay. And you usually serve exactly. three to four years on a normal one-time <laughs> enlistment. Okay. Let's just give on that even medication? 18 years old. Let's say a 20 year old even joins. By the time you get out, you're, you're still in that viable age where, you're coming back with PTSD, mental trauma, TBI, probably something else. And now you're given a pharmaceutical that is written in it, that it's known to give suicidal ideations. How Let's do, you do this one. Right. How do you, you just don't it? because that's medical malpractice, but that's a separate conversation because I'm just a medical assistant. Right. Um, <laughs> unless they, unless they choose, unless the docs want to get on the nurses and help us expand the scope of practice for medical assistance, which is also something that we should talk about, but separate. What I wanted to say about what you were just talking about with the medications is when I was in the military myself, and like I said, Iraq, and I said I had that bad day early in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my doctors, I won't tell you his name because I'm actually still friends with him, um, was on, um, he prescribed a medication for me, the medication is Celexa. Now, I also took many other ones like Seroquel and other medications and I tried them and the nightmares and the sickness was too much for me and the <laughs> opioids answer. made me itch and the opioids made me feel like I was someone else. So when I got to the Celexa, the Celexa helped me stay calm. But what I noticed about Selexa, and just like he said, it, has, it says suicidal ideations right on, on the label. But what I noticed about Selexa specifically, and I noticed it at work, is that I didn't feel either. It wasn't, I don't get upset. It's, I don't get happy. I'm not, I, I can't stay, if I'm happy, Right. It, it's it's you're just like emotionless. Sad, I was emotionless the entire time, yeah. even though mental in here, right. <laughs> in here, you're stable. It's there. Yeah. So the feeling, true. it was not like there. And, Absolutely. Yeah. And on and that, that down was, on that exact note is why I switched the medication to what I'm on now. It's only a 10 milligram pill. I was on 150 milligram Effexor for 15 Ouch. years. I just got off of it last month. It's one it's, you, coming off sorry. of it is it's like it's got one of the, the shortest half-lives of most pharmaceuticals. And it's like, I, I don't know. I've never been on heroin, but the kind of withdrawals you go through, you just feel <laughs> yeah. effed up I, all the time. But yeah. to the note that you just said, first off, when the time came and I needed it, it worked. It, I was taking antidepressants, but I had oh, anxiety. My, I only knew this because <laughs> of my suicide attempt. My Thank suicide you, attempt, though, was due to the, the, 
the, the domestic issues that I was going through at the time and the person I was dealing with telling me, oh, you don't want to get on those antidepressants Same because all my man. friends are on those and they're, they've lost their souls. The adverse yeah, either way, the suicide attempt um, came. I did what I did, just diagnosed with, with chronic anxiety and put me, put me on the effects and it worked for until I got out of the military. And then when like readjustment time came, it was a whole new story. So we yeah. upped the dose and then again, so on and so forth. This is before my journey into cannabis, but Same then I journey. found, then I got on the journey with unprescribed, right? And that's everybody. And that's where the story went. And that's when I met right. John Spray and we, we, he told me about all the pills and everything. And then we're right back to where you, now we're right. We're, Nothing's changed. Yes, I was so. 17. <laughs> but I, I just to to I go, when I was 17. Yeah, Ava, go ahead. No, I, I just want to, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying. I just had like, because you did, um, James, you did mention something and you talked about, you know, the trauma and obviously the, you're, you're no stranger to trauma. So I literally just want to know how you or when you decided okay this is so not this is a like, moment this is there's two moments there's two moments i'm giving to you real quick and i said i yeah. was going to speak on it earlier but i have to because my brother just shared his with me and so i'm gonna keep it short mm -hmm. i had a very bad day in iraq i was very depressed um and I can't even tell you the whole story because it puts too many other people's careers in trouble. So let's just say there was a situation Redacted. where, yeah, mm -hmm. right. Redacted right. details, just <laughs> Redacted. give us right. the, the 10,000 yeah. in your and personal I side. Almost in, um, let's say I had an attempt and after, and upon make the, the attempt was the clarity of there's life on the other side of this. That was the wake up to, okay, suicide is not the way. The medication clarity was around the time I had actually met the woman who is now my wife at the time. We were friends. And one of my music, my business partners now, who I had just met also, I had just met the both of them at the same time when I was at Fort Bragg in a barracks on nine different pills. And I was dating her and I was talking to him when we were making music together. And I like, remember what I just said about how selection made me feel like I wasn't, I just wasn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was eating like three or four selections deja vu. Holy shit. I'm sorry. I apologize. I was eating no, like three or four selections. The, de no, the, the deja vu was so real, I promise. Anyway, the selection had me feeling like I wasn't me. And I noticed when I was talking to the girl who's now my wife, Darnell, um, I wasn't me. Like imagine being around somebody who makes you happy and you can't show them that you, they mm -hmm. make you happy. Mm -hmm. uh, imagine being around somebody, you know what I mean? It's the same thing like, I'm going through. It's right the now. same thing you're going through. I'm, yeah, I'm going you know through it I mean? right now. And so I just got off the effects <laughs> because and that's oh, where I, I went really long-winded. Like and trigger. I yeah, but I feel it because I promise you I, that's how I got to here was I was going through that. And when I was going through it, I cried. Like, like you got to understand, I was in my room, I have nine different medications I'm on. Seroquel, Selexa, the muscle relaxers, because I got military injuries. I got bilateral shit, my ribs and all these just little stuff that happens during training, you get broken. I'm on all the pills to, to mask the shit. And I'm chasing it with either Hennessy, 151, Wild Turkey, whatever the fuck I feel like drinking because, right. because that's okay Rockstar, right? Because that's that's accepted and it's encouraged. Yep. But we'll, we'll, we'll get to them too. Yeah. Long list, right? Mm -hmm. So so I'm doing that. And in me, in the midst of me doing that all my life, I was on an MSN messenger call with the girl, the, my wife now, now my wife. It fucked me. It broke. It just busted my my. my 
busting me inside because I'm talking to her. And she's, if you've ever met her, she's one of the more uh, happy-go-lucky kind of people. She's a lot more like giddy kind happy than I am. Mm-hmm. You cannot be around somebody who's that happier, upbeat, and be down. You know, no. and if you're yeah. if and as in if you're in love or something like that, you love you care about somebody else's feelings. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be that downer, man. You don't want to be the one that's you know what I mean, right? And mm-hmm. so that be that snapped me out. I promise you, I was on the pills in talking to her, bro. I cried because I was like, I don't feel like me, and I can't like communicate to her. So I got rid of all my fucking pills. Like, yo, mm. I got no, <laughs> duh. I took all my pills and dumped them out of my bed. I picked all my fucking pills up. I threw them in the trash. And then I looked back at her on a video call and we laughed. And then <clears throat> we um that I, I threw them out. And I felt like shit for weeks. And I know I was shit because I was still smoking cigarettes at the time. Mm-hmm. So I smoked so much more cigarettes. Yep. <laughs> well, something I, to get I, your mind off there. Oh, <laughs> So, um, and I learned this from my grandmother, rest in peace. And I'm so grateful. Oh my God, that's that's its own. <laughs> but when story. she quit smoking, <laughs> I promise it is. When she quit smoking, she quit smoking using almond M and M's. I remember like her telling me that, and I don't even remember like uh, anyway. I Focus, tried bro. peanut M. Yeah, <laughs> so you. listen. You so know what? Yes, I just I had a DNA M&M test and, and discovered. I yeah, I just found oh. out that I have fucking ADHD. And so Thank trying you. to focus on things. So <laughs> I love where you're going. Thank you're you, giving bro. me so much story. I'm gonna address that. you as a peer right now. That if I interject <laughs> on <laughs> Ava, I'm not trying to I'm take not the her. show. It's okay. We're all together I'm like, because this is, I, this is one where I had to take charge and keep my brothers on track. Yeah, okay. Because all of this is great shit, and even I was losing track because I know <laughs> you were me. That's all the time we have for this episode. Stick around for part two of this amazing episode when JT and I go into further detail about coping with continued trauma, especially with TBI and other neurological disorders. This is The Up Life. We thank you for joining us, and we wish the best of life to everyone. Live life unprescribed. Live the up life. Cheers. The Up Life is produced and directed by Steve Elmore. This show is made possible by the help of volunteers from the unprescribed nonprofit and supporters like you. The Up Life is part of the Alive Podcast Network. Live life unprescribed. Live the Up Life. The Unprescribed Inc. is a 501c3 charitable organization. You can make a tax-deductible contribution by visiting theunprescribed.org slash donate.html. Become a patron. Visit patreon.com slash theunprescribed. And follow us on social media at theunprescribed.